Welcome back to the After Ellen podcast with your host, Jocelyn McDonald. I'm the managing editor at After Ellen. And today I am super excited to be talking to Nicole Kahn. She is the director of the movie More Beautiful for Having Been Broken. Just here for a visit. Pretty school time, not a roadside attraction. Hey, I would never hurt your son. Leave him alone. She's been here spying on me. That's not. That's not. She's FBI. She uses people. I've read her file. She's dangerous. She's also the director of Elena Undone, which is a classic lesbian cinema. And so you may know her from that. So, Nicole, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much, Jocelyn. Happy to be here. So I just finished watching this film. It was beautiful. And I have to say thank you so much for continuing to tell stories of complex mm-hmm. women characters and falling in love. Thank so you. talk to me about why did you, um, Nicole Kahn, you, uh, you both wrote and directed this film. So mm-hmm. why did you want to tell this story? Well, um, many people know that I have a very special needs son and I did a documentary about him called little man in 20. It, it came out in like 25, six, seven, somewhere in there. And, um, it was really, uh, about his premature birth and all of those sorts of things. But as time went on, um, my son has had like mega, mega medical complications and he's extremely special needs. You know, he operates at about a first grade level. He's 18 now. And, um, he, uh, what I started noticing as he grew up and, and, you know, he has things on him, on his body because he can't control a lot of his things. He can't control his temperature. So he has this big temp strip that like lives on his forehead Mm. and a bunch of other things. And so I started realizing that when we would go out, people would look away from him, you know, they wouldn't want to engage with him. And I started seeing this over and over. And then I started spending so much time with other moms with special needs kids, you know, and realized the same thing was happening with them. And so I really, really wanted to, about about 10, 11 years ago, I wanted to put a special needs character in one of our films. And um, everybody was like, you know, it's too grim. Nobody really wants to see that. You know, it's too much from, it's too far veering off the storylines. And so, you know, I was like, okay, maybe they're right. But then as time went on, I was, I would see films where people with special needs were betrayed, not by actors with special needs, but actors pretending they have special needs or a, an ailment or a disease or whatever. And it really started irking me. So I decided I wanted to, uh, I had wanted to do a particular kind of um, storyline and chose to make the mother, um, the Samantha character, the mother of this child with special needs. But what I started out with and what it became are very, very different because of the things that happened in my life. And so um, not only did the this small role for this child become much much of a bigger piece of the film, um, but it also really, really had a lot to do with why we changed the title from Nesting Doll, which is what the film was originally called, to More Beautiful for Having Been Broken. Um, because having gone through a series of uh, deaths um, within 18 months, my father, my brother, and my sister, all unrelated, um, yes, mm-hmm. I... I totally cracked and fell apart. And when I um, healed, I realized, you know, there was nothing but so much beauty in the world. You know, I, I was so amazed at how much beauty there was in the world when I finally came back to the, came back to it. Um, 
And so that really sort of informed the rest of the rewrite on the, on the, on the project and casting Kale Farron, who is just the most amazing little kid on the planet um, to play Freddie. Uh, also really informed the piece because he became sort of the driving core uh, element of the story. And when we did reshoots, that's when the bully scene came in and a couple of the other scenes that have to do more with his with his uh, condition and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's very interesting what you're talking about, how um, people are cast in roles that are representing disabilities that they don't have. And essentially, it's just as you say, it's another way for able-bodied people to look away from the realities. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the um, the character of Mackenzie is a an FBI agent who's currently on leave. And she is an interesting character because she doesn't treat him she doesn't treat this boy differently she kind of rejects um the idea that other people i mean she sees other people treating him Mm -hmm. differently and it pisses Mm -hmm. her off Mm -hmm. but she completely rejects the idea that um his needs would make his mother unlovable or Mm -hmm. less deserving or or for him to be less deserving of love and that's a really interesting portrayal she just um really it's not that she ignores his disability, it's that she doesn't care. Yeah, and and that's one of the things I, I love about her character. It's like she doesn't see his otherness. She just sees this pesty um, kid. Who's that's trying the way, to, yes. Yes, yes. The otherness, yes. Yeah. And uh, she mm-hmm. just is aware this kid is like, you know, haranguing her. And um, one of my favorite scenes is the what we call the Freddie Charm Offensive when he goes and bugs her while she's reading the paper and stuff. And all of that stuff kale ad-libbed which i which i love i didn't write any of it um and Uh it's just when she when he worms his way into her heart she starts to heal and that and that's part of um Uh i just love their dynamic yeah he's a very powerful actor and uh, in such a small package Mm -hmm. (laughs) he's also one of the most potent human beings you will ever meet in person when we read him that first day after we read him we read him when he was only eight. I don't think he quite completely understood the script at that time. So it was good that we shot two years later, almost two and a half years later, because he really was able to get the subtext in the, in the script. And But that first time that I read him, after he was done, I picked him up to hug him. And it, it literally is the line, I felt like I was hugging God because the energy out of him was just so pure and precious. And he is just filled with love, just mm-hmm. love. So um, it's, uh, it's one of those things also that in telling the story, I want to let people know, a lot of people over saying, I'm so sorry for you. I'm so sorry that you have Nicholas and all the stuff that you have to go through. But what they don't understand is that we are super blessed with these very special children um, because they're, my son, Kale, they lead with love. Uh, and that's really what they're all about. And being in the moment, which is is another thing that I learned from my son and Kel as well. Mm. Yeah, that's a really interesting point, too, because the other characters do not live in the moment. There's so much Mm -hmm. grief that Mackenzie is carrying. You know, she processes, um, she continues to relive trauma, especially in the first half of the film. And the um, Kale's mother, what's... um, 
I, I forgot her name. Samantha. Samantha mm -hmm. is doing the same thing where she's living in the past and she, um, she sort of carries the um, regrets and, and insecurities um, with her throughout. Yes. And the weight, you know, the weight of mm -hmm. feeling like she's never certain how long he'll be on the planet, mm -hmm. which is mm -hmm. my experience with my son, because he's been near death so many times mm -hmm. that you start to realize, you know, the whole component of the expiration date is that the more days that you have, that means the less time you have left. And so that's the one of the key pieces that I really wanted to, um, you know, uh, convey in the film. Gosh, I'm just getting distracted because I was thinking about the way that Kale delivers his mm -hmm. lines with um, mm -hmm. this combination of ease and gravity. Because yeah. the script I love the way you put that. Immature. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and, but but my next question on my list of questions for you <laughs> was <laughs> to talk to me. No, it's, I just get distracted so easily. Um, try to stay on task here. Um, no, the, the next question on my list was if you could talk to me a little bit about, uh, the relationship between these women, talk to me about, um, the, the vision that you have as a director and a, as a writer for, um, showing us this love story. Okay. Well, one of the things, um, like as in Elena Undone and Claire of the Moon and A Perfect Ending, I always try to uh, tell something that has particular meaning for me because I really don't know how to write about things that I don't know about. And so with this particular, in this particular situation, um, I was trying to tell, show the viewer how when you, the one aspect of having a, a child with special needs outside of the medical drama and stuff along those lines is, is you become very protective and defensive around that child mm -hmm. at the same time. Mm -hmm. And you become defensive because you know that your child always has to come first no matter what. And so, you know, a lot of people just don't, can't handle that if they're in, in a personal relationship with you or uh, part of a family member. You know, it's been, it's been very challenging for my daughter, um, who's also in the film. Uh, uh, because there's been many times, I mean, like one Christmas morning, for instance, you know, I, I pick her up, go down, we're getting ready to open all the presents. And I go up to get Nicholas and he's blown his central line and he's got a big oh, clock and we rush to the hospital. So, you know, it's like, yeah, it's, it's those things that happen over and over and over that become very, very challenging for the family. And that's one of the things I really, really conveyed in, um, little man, the documentary. Um, but with this, one of the, one of the pieces um, for me was really about Samantha uh, being able to let down her armor and have somebody come in because they have fallen in love with her child. And, you know, that is the first falling in love that happens is with the child and then with the mother. And I really love that, that idea. And, you know, obviously would love that to happen to me. Um, I actually, I, I have been blessed. I have met somebody who is extraordinary with my son and um, uh, I'm very, very happy about that. So, yes, so, my max. Oh, that's so cool. <laughs> so what, talk to me about your, um, you know, the, the, the film is so beautiful and the actors are all so um, just, 
honestly gorgeous. Like I love the cinematography. I love the aesthetic of the film. Um, talk to me about sort of the, the gaze that you come at this. Oh, I really appreciate you asking that because one of the things in the beautiful part, part of the film is when, when I was recovering from all of the death and grief and falling off the wagon and everything else, um, I saw things as just so incredibly beautiful. Sunsets, you name it, a tree on a leaf, you know, it was like a leaf on a tree. It was just one of those things where I was really, really just falling in love all over again with nature and all things. My sister was a ballet dancer and one of my, my absolute favorite art next to film is dance. And um, I always watch So You Think You Can Dance and all of those sorts of things. I find the dance movements between uh, male and female just gorgeous. But one of the things I never was able to actually see was dan a dance of love between two women. Mm. And so all of the elements of beauty that I could think of to bring to bear in this film were things that I wanted to put on the screen. And since you've seen it now, you can imagine when you see it on a big screen in, in with the, the sound system, it's just, it really is one of those things you could probably turn off and just watch the film and, and see the beauty in it. And that's one of the things I've always wanted to do on a film is just like really go for lush beauty as mm. much as I possibly could. I mean, not for nothing, but you you've set this. The, so the setting is called Lake Maryville, and it's mm -hmm. in set which in is North a fake town mm -hmm. I um, made up, but it's yeah. set in Pine uh, Pine Mountain, which is right up the five by Fraser Park, about twenty miles east. I mean west. I'm sorry. Uh, you hit this town, and if you blink, you literally do miss it. And if you go beyond it, you don't see a human being for hours and hours and hours. It's so remote. And that's why yeah. we were able to get all that incredibly gorgeous footage um, that we got. Yeah, there's mountains and mm -hmm. lakeside mm -hmm. and um, trees that are in full, lush, yeah. mm -hmm. the sunlight coming in through them. So, um, yeah. Yeah, the beauty was a, a huge part of it. And, um, I, I think the dance uh, shots, you know, the, the interwoven dance pieces and the love scene dance and Freddie's dance, I think are just all so stunning. That for me, that those are beautiful um, sequences. So our, uh, our writer, Madeline, who, um, who reviewed this for After Ellen, Mm -hmm. She pointed out that viewers might recognize um, Kayla Radomski, who, who the dancer actually mm -hmm. was on So You Think You Can Dance. Mm -hmm. And she did a number by Sarah Bareilles on, on So You Think You Can Dance. Um, uh, which, do you know which number that was? It's called Gravity. Yeah, there's Gravity and then there's um, Addiction. And Addiction... Mm -hmm to me is just one of the most phenomenal dances. I think it won an Emmy. One of yeah. the most phenomenal dances ever Wow, that she I did, didn't, yeah. Didn't realize that had won an Emmy. Yeah, and it um, that also plays a big part in the, in the film. Yes, it does. Um, so my family at the time I was at, with my then partner, she had four kids, I had two, and we'd always watch So You Think You Can Dance. Mm -hmm. And the year that she was on it, she was our favorite from the very, very beginning. We wanted her to win. So mm -hmm. fast forward seven or eight years after when she walked in the room, I felt like I, like she was my kid's sister or something because we had spent some every week with her, you know, and the interviews they had with her grandfather and all of those sorts of things and her grandmother and her mother. 
it was just amazing. Um, and so when she came in, she had just started acting classes. So we hired her as the choreographer, but two and a half years later, she had done enough work that I felt like she could really pull it off. And I've been very, very, very happy with her. Mm-hmm. And there were a few other familiar faces in mm-hmm. the film as well. Um, faces where I just was like, oh, I know you. What were you? What yeah. Were you? Okay. So Bruce Davidson, who's like been in a gajillion films, a uh, longtime companion, uh, was his big piece that he did for the gay community. Um, but he's been literally on, I think every, he does episodic, you know, guest star spots all the time. And then there's French Stewart, who's on Mom and was on Third Rock. Is it Third Rock from the Sun? That That's, show that was in the, mm-hmm. the one where the, where the aliens came to live on the planet. Yeah, Earth. yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, and um, Brooke Elliott, who was in Drop Dead Diva. And just, I just saw on Netflix, it started yesterday, I think, called Sweet Magnolias. She's in that. That's right. I yeah. just, I was like, I just saw the yeah. promo for that. I was like, what? Yeah, what did I just see you? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Who, she's hysterical. Um, and Harley Jane Kozak, who um, I actually had a crush on in the 90s when I saw her in Parenthood and Arachnophobia and everything. She was just awesome. So she had, she had um, kind of gone into semi-retirement for 15 years because she had twins. And so she was kind of starting to make her comeback. And so when she came to work on the film, it was really, really cool to get to know her and have her play my daughter's mother. It was, it was really fun. And you, and you said your daughter is also in the film. Yeah. She plays the character of Gabrielle and her name is actually Gabrielle. Um, the, the younger daughter of Vivian. Yeah. She was a theater actress in high school, all through high school and did phenomenally. And so I said, do you want to do film? And she was kind of being sort of a theater snob about it. And oh, she wow. so. oh, and uh, wow. then she loved it. And when she saw herself on the screen in the, in the, th- you know, when we were in frame line, she's like, I want to do this again. Uh-huh. So, I see myself. This is, this is my thing now. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's fantastic. Yeah. She'll be in my next one as well. Oh, well, yeah. I do want to hear more about that before we switch directions. I want to, yeah. I want mm-hmm. you to talk a little bit more about your son. So talk to mm-hmm. me. I mean, right now, while we're in quarantine, I imagine your son usually has a lot of support yes, and you have does. your other mothers that you, your other mothers of disabled um, or special mm-hmm. needs um, kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, how are you guys coping with being? It's been it's been a little bit of a challenge because he 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 has twenty four seven nursing because he literally requires it. Um, but of the six or seven nurses we had, only two can be with him because they don't see any other patients. So no other nurses are allowed. So it's the two nurses and me that cover all of his shifts now. And the only other person that's actually allowed in the house is my daughter uh, because we've quarantined her. He cannot get this. He has such yeah. severe chronic lung disease. He would never. He would never make it. So we. Yeah. It's. It's. We got these strict protocols from the nursing agency and and his uh, primary doctor. And um, you know, we dealt with his pulmonologist and all of those sorts of things, so we could figure out how to keep him as well as humanly possible. And we're just doing what we have to do to keep him safe. Wow, the the support just being reduced from so many to. Yeah, it's been. Yeah. I'm very lucky though. The two nurses that I have, their family, they've, one of them has been with me all 18 years and the other one has been on and off with us all 18 years. So they're like my sister and my, my aunt, you know, and they, 
are literally family, practically. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And they know him inside and out as, you know, so, um, yeah, we, we handle it between us and, um, it's, it's a little challenging at times because, you know, I'm, I'm extremely busy with the film being released and Elena undone is having its 10th year re-release, um, this, yes, yeah, later this summer. So I'm working on a new trailer right now. And, uh, yeah. So, um, but, uh, all that matters is that he stays well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. So, um, so yeah, let's, let's t- talk to me about what, what's coming up. Obviously you've got your trailer for Elena undone and then what other new projects are you, are, so are I'm mix? doing two major things I'm doing. One is we're rolling out probably next week, a Nicole Kahn films global, which is a new um, destination hub for all things lesbian film, TV, webisode, series production. Yes, we are partnering with a variety of uh, lesbian uh, distributors and production companies all around the world. And I have 28 women from around the world um, who are involved in this global um, consortium, which is a place where we're going to try a different kind of uh, hybrid funding model, which is part subscription, part donor, part cash for credits and part investment. And the, you know, basically the idea is a lesbian will go to this site and this is one of the ways she will go to the site. I wanna support these films. And we have two criteria for the film, well, three. They have to be entertaining, they have to be quality and they must be something new for our lesbian film library. Uh, something we haven't quite seen before. So subgenres, lesbian horror, lesbian action adventure. Yeah, all of that stuff. So what, what? We want to try to, yeah, so what we want to try to do is have something in production, pre-production and post-production at all times so that there's a film out every 18 to 24 months. And we're working, like, for instance, tomorrow, I'm going to be speaking with Tello because I have a great webisode thing that I think would be great with a younger production company. We have a um, rom-com that we're looking for a good lesbian screenwriter for. Um, yeah, so I'm we're addicted do- to rom-coms. Okay, <laughs> so we're <laughs> just speaking my language right yeah. now. I'm so excited. <laughs> and everybody I've talked to about this has been like, "Oh my God, we need this!" And so one of my yeah, partners yeah. is Lesflix um, in the UK, and they have the database of every lesbian movie that's ever been made. And what we're trying to do now is with. Um, the, the global site is also put every single lesbian production, whether it's a webisode, TV series, everything that's, you know, in the thing. So lesbians can come to the site and say, you know, I'm an interior designer. I want to do set design. I'm a photographer. I want to do stills photography. That way we can bring women to work on women's films. And that's what the, you yeah. are blowing me away right now. Yes. This is, this is yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> And I'm looking, I'm looking for a very specific person right now. So if you talk to any of your pals, I'm looking for a data meister or two that can help us cull all of those things to put in there in the um, database, the lesbian data production database. Mm -hmm. So we're looking for those uh, people who like to, you know, be in the know and know everything that's going on and help with that. And then eventually we will also have a uh, lesbian film reviewer, um, all of those sorts of things. The whole point of it, yes, there we go. Jocelyn, <laughs> you're on uh, The whole point of it is, is, you know, when I first started in this industry, every lesbian I knew came from a place of scarcity. There was only room for one lesbian show, one lesbian director, one lesbian writer, one lesbian showrunner. And 
it's like, I just do not subscribe to that model. I subscribe to we're better together. We're stronger together. Mm -hmm. I'm a very collaborative filmmaker. I love to work. I, I don't care where the idea comes from. If it's better, we're using it, you know, kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So it's one of those uh, things where I feel like our community finally is this place where we know that there's plenty enough for everybody to go around. And now we need to make our library really freaking groovy, you know, mm -hmm. just like the straight films have a zillion different all kinds of things. So, and it's mm -hmm. not to mean that I don't have ma a material for the straight mainstream world because I do, and my manager would really like me to work on those things. But I, I feel like I really found my calling with More Beautiful to maintain making mm -hmm. these films for women. And my next one is is basically an exploration of what happens when you live through the kind of grief that I went through. And these two women from totally different parts of the world. One loses her son to a school shooting, another loses her sister uh, her sister to suicide, and they end up at a specialized grief group. And they're like the odd couple of grief. One's very buttoned up, the other one's a total slob, and they don't really like each other until they, you know, start obviously falling in love. And then they realize the only person that they can heal with is the other person that they really cannot heal without each other. Mm -hmm. And so it's very, it's very dark, but it's also got a lot of humor in it. And um, it's, uh, it's, I'm very excited about it. I'm about two thirds of the way through the script. Yeah. And you're writing it because you write all your own movies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because, because, you know, it's not that I wouldn't want to direct somebody else's script, but when you write it, you have so much control over exactly what's going on and the things that you want to convey and get out are are in there. Because I think of myself more as a storyteller than a writer-director per se. Um, I love good story, whatever format it comes in. And um, and I have something really exciting, but I can't say what it is for the, for the girls. It's going to be fun. Mm -hmm. They're going to enjoy. Um, that we're working okay. on pulling together. Yes. Okay. It's very silly. It's nothing like what I usually do, but I just need it for fun. And I've wanted to do it for 20 years. So <laughs> I think I will. So you had mentioned that you are really interested in making it. It's, it's for us by us content. Let, yes. Lesbians creating for by, yes, yes. Yes. So um, mm -hmm. talk to me about the other people involved in more beautiful uh, were the actresses lesbians or other production? No, you know, I usually just say um, about actresses because everybody always asks that. That's the first thing they ask about mm -hmm. the leads in, in my films. And, you know, they're actors mm -hmm. and they bring their craft to it. Right. Um, and uh, I don't really know what everybody's sexuality is. I mean, I know that Zoe is straight. She just had a baby. <laughs> um, and I really don't care what their, you know, their propensities are. I just want them to perform the character. Right. Um, if they can and, act, then you shouldn't know what their propensities yeah, exactly. are. Exactly. Yeah. And, you so know, chemistry. since I believe in sexual fluidity, I just don't even think about it. You know, it just um, sort of is. Mm -hmm. So you have this project that you're working on that's essentially giving um, creative control to lesbians. Do you think that the this is generally the direction that the industry is headed? More women directors, more lesbian directors? I think that I think what's happening is uh, people are realizing women can um, 
pull a movie. I mean, you know, they can they can basically pull it, and we're seeing that in all of the fair. Television has always been more women identified, but we're seeing really good stuff like little fires everywhere stuff that's really just meaty that we're getting and it's like it's not it's not guy fair it's definitely women's fair but we're seeing it in the films as well and i'm really 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 happy with that but what what i know is that we are a token and we are a trope and practically every drama series every sitcom every this every that but so much of it is not made by us Mm -hmm. and some of it's just that we're just like there because the media has to put us there because we're here now. We're, mm-hmm. you know, we're all inclusive. We've made it, but we haven't mm-hmm. made it in red America, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, women all over the um, country and the world contact me all the time and tell me they don't feel like they have enough fare. Yes. And we don't, yes. we just don't have enough fare because the reality is as lesbians, nothing whatsoever connects or unites us other than the fact that we like other women, you know, it's not like we're, in a certain social caste or religion <laughs> yep. or color mm-hmm. or whatever we just that's it that's all we have in common so, so our 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 we're interest diverse. yeah we're as diverse as anybody else as anybody yeah. yeah there is and no so, lesbian narrative yeah, yeah. other than and we're all just lesbians <laughs> one of the things i loved about the woman who wrote the um reviewer article about was saying this she was so happy she could take her mother to this or her grandmother or something and it was a lesbian film that didn't discuss being a lesbian which uh-huh. is where we are at and that's what and i feel granted like. not yeah. every story has to be a coming out story no. yeah yeah mm-hmm. and that's that's the piece <laughs> that we're, we've arrived mm-hmm. and i think that is exactly what is missing from most mainstream tor- storytelling is you mm-hmm you have the lesbian character who's tokenized her storyline is always mm-hmm. she's coming out she's dealing with pushback from family or community and yes. and so your your movies are taking for granted that our our love is as universally understandable as any other love story. If you can yeah. watch a rom-com between mm-hmm. a man and a woman and feel things, then mm-hmm. you should probably be able to feel things watching two women fall in love. I cannot tell you how many straight women and men have come to me after at screenings and said that they think that the, that the love story is one of the most beautiful things they've ever seen. And for them, it doesn't matter that they, they just feel the love, you know, between the the three of them, you know, because it, it is, a, it's a love story between the three of them. And mm-hmm, so, yes. um, yeah, the feedback from the straight community, in fact, I don't know what it says, but I think it does say something. We've won almost 30 best awards, whether it's best feature, director, writer, you know, uh, cinematography, actors, uh, Kale's won like three best actor awards. Um, all of them are from straight festivals, not mm-hmm. one from a lesbian festival. Right. What do you think that means? Well, it means that the the content doesn't have to be niche. And, right, exactly. And I, I think what you said earlier about hugging Kale and feeling, mm-hmm. what what did you say? It felt he, like God. It's like hugging God. Like hugging God. And so exactly that, uh, that kernel love is, oh God, I, I can't believe I almost said love is love. It's so fucking trite. But it and boring. But it is. It's true. So if if the if the impetus is for humans to feel more connected to each other that is that is the that's the story yep that is and the other is my little mantra which is romance is the remedy i mean so many people mm-hmm. think romance of romance as a dirty word 
Yeah, romance is the remedy. That's where we're at right now. I think that's why More Beautiful is doing so well because people need this now. And we need, we need romance all the time. Come on, look at, look, look at our society, our world, you know? And so- um, And why Elena Undone is being celebrated 10 years on. Yeah, I know, I know. I'm very, very excited about that. We do need more romance. Yeah. So that's and what my- especially in these times as we feel disconnected and isolated from each other. I know. I I'm know. going on Zoom dates. I mean- <laughs> Are you really? How does that go? How does that work? It's awkward and a little bit demoralizing, to be honest. God. But you know what? I don't, I know that Sappho has a plan for me. Yeah. Uh, the goddess is You're a sharp cookie. I can tell. Uh, my wife is on her way. On She's- her- my wife is out here on the on the app swiping, being like, I yeah, guess I'm going to go on another Zoom date. And then one day she's just going to appear. She my, is. And it's going to happen when you least, least expect it. Oh, I expect it all the time. It could oh. happen any minute now. I keep thinking, <laughs> I keep thinking like, because I can't leave the house. Yeah. Um, you know, the only interactions I ever have are with my mailman. And mm-hmm. one day my mailman is going to have a day off and this mm-hmm. Beautiful butch oh, yeah. woman is going to show your storyteller. Yeah, she's on her way. It's just a matter of time. Yeah. I love yeah. that. I didn't I, even know people were Zoom dating, but that I guess makes sense, right? Oh, so what awkward. else can you do? What can you do? I mean, wait, wait it out. But we're going to be waiting for like two years. So I know, I know. I just am terrified that this reopening, well, we know there's going to be another wave and then there's going to be another wave in the fall and it's just going to be endless. Yeah. And then Trump will say, oh, we can't have an election now because we're just too far into the COVID thing. And because he's the king and Republicans won't stop him, you know, that's my fear. Mm -hmm. There is so much uncertainty and there's so much of um, a need and a desire for us regular people to just be like, if we could have any kind of concrete guidelines, if we could have, you know, some specificity around how, how often we should leave the house and with whom can we invite into our closer circle and, and no one knows. It's not like any single expert can be like, yes, I have proven the data has shown me that this is exactly the the right way. It's, I mean, it's just so off the charts, terrible, bad. Uh, mm-hmm. that it's it's like you can't even really believe that we're living in this world where there literally are two different realities coinciding mm-hmm. between red and blue America. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's really challenging in my head. I find it to be really challenging. And I also find reflections of our previous conversation, the beauty of having been broken is already revealing itself. Mm-hmm. When I, yes. I have time to myself that I didn't know I needed. I, I have time. Yeah. I don't get to go outside much. I don't get to enjoy nature. I don't get to go backpacking or hiking. The Appalachian Trail is closed. I'm like mm-hmm. not leaving. So all of a sudden, the nature that's within two miles of my house is so much more precious to me. And I yeah. uh, I notice, you know, I feel like there's more birds this there season. Mm-hmm. And there's more, the spring has lasted longer than, I live in Washington, D.C. And mm-hmm. um Usually by now it's balls ass hot and we're all fucking melting. Mm-hmm. Spring has lasted so long. There's still blossoms. There's still like nights when I can leave the windows open. And I feel like I wouldn't even notice that. You wouldn't. If, yeah. 
that's the thing. I feel like COVID has been like a reset button for humanity and that humanity is real. Like, I mean, we can actually see the sky in LA, which is pretty freaking amazing. Um, and I, I just feel like we absolutely needed this from a spiritual standpoint because we're all so, you know, like what you were saying, you don't even notice those things if, if you're in your regular world. And no, the opposite. Instead, you notice instead you notice all the bad things you notice yeah. how you're stressed and busy all the time you never you're stuck in you. traffic you know you're 45 people are in front of you at the grocery store yeah. <laughs> yeah and um you know i feel the impending doom of global warming at all times mm-hmm. because yeah. i just exactly living it mm-hmm. the, the, sm- the smoke and the smog it's all you see it's hard to look for, it almost feels wrong to look for silver linings mm-hmm. in this because the tragedy is so dire mm-hmm. and it's not to be downplayed at all. But there are just little glimpses of relief and mercy where there's another way that we are going to find yeah. on ourselves on the other side of. Yes, I agree so much. And it is, it, it, you know, that that's the thing that bothers me more than anything about Trump is that, you know, we have this ginormous death toll and it's like mass, nothing, we haven't experienced anything ever like this. thousand this week. Or yeah. Next, I mean, it's yeah. like, it, it doesn't, it's mind boggling when we think about how we reacted, you know, to being attacked at, at the trade centers and everything. And we lost those 3,500 or whatever amount of people. And then to experience this. It's just, it's it's so kind of mind-numbing how... That that fraction yeah. could have halted our reality and this somehow people are just pushing us to move forward as yeah. if nothing's happening. Yeah. And then, you know, all the deaths and the, the funerals that, that people couldn't go to because of COVID or couldn't... The thing, I'm experiencing this with my own mother. She's got Parkinson's and it's really, mm-hmm. really aggressive. And so I Skype with her in the morning and the evening to see how she's doing. And it's so heartbreaking that I can't jump on a plane and go be with her because I, before this would go up every six to eight weeks so I could take care of her, cook food, freeze it for her, stuff along those lines. And now it's, it's sort of, I'm actually shooting everything that we're talking about because it's sort of these stories, COVID stories, like your dating, COVID dating are, are basically are going to be our stories of this experience that we've had, you know, 2020, the lost year. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, it sounds like you definitely have a lot of creative inspiration that's continuing in spite of everything else kind of, uh, shrinking. Um, you know, I hate to say it, it didn't change my life too much, except for insofar as Nicholas is concerned, and the fact that my daughter is living with me instead of at college. Um, right. Because I work out of my own space anyway, as a writer director, I'm usually, you know, stuck in my office room uh, 24-7 anyway. Um, mm-hmm. And weekends I work, so it doesn't really make that much difference to me. But the thing that I have really noticed is... Um, just sort of, I, you know, when has spring is, I have spring fever. I want to travel. I want to go to Palm Springs. I want to go to Pine Mountain. I want to be, you know, in the world. And uh, it's just not happening. That is such a challenge. Just mm-hmm. yeah, being, feeling every part of your body aching to be mm-hmm. with other people and to, yeah. and to just experience 
different places. I also feel like so conscious of how much I miss meaningless interactions with other people. Yes. I really want to go to a bar and have small talk with the bartender and ask her what I should order because yeah, I never there you know. go. <laughs> I can't believe you don't have a girlfriend. I can't either. I You're am totally <laughs> fucking cute as well as her. Nicole, you know all the lesbians. Okay, okay so I will find up. you one because I am a matchmaker. Oh, perfect. Okay. I I am an eligible bachelorette. I'm an yeah. excellent cook. Mm-hmm. I have a sweet singing voice. Mm-hmm. I I will write her poems and cook her dinner. And Very good. <laughs> now, are you looking for Butch, fam? What are you looking for? I'm looking for Butch. God help me. It's so hard in these times. <laughs> butches are hard to come by. And I feel like there's so what many. About. I feel like there's so many femmes and so few butches, and they're and really? all the fem- femmes are like snatching them up. Maybe it's just oh. because you know the the um, idea of scarcity. Because when you're yeah. on the lookout for something, you yeah. think that there's not enough there's for you. There. Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's definitely um, something that I keep trying to take off my checklist. Like, oh, she doesn't mm-hmm. have to be butch. It's mm-hmm. fine if she's not you know, five, nine, it's not a big deal. If she, <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's really superficial. Yeah. I'm just kidding. But I try to take Butch off my wish list, but it always comes back. I just like, when I meet a Butch woman that, you know, makes my, my knees feel weak and my mm-hmm. tummy flip flops, yep. I mean, you can't deny there is something yeah. about attraction which is chemical and which yeah. you cannot think your way out of no you can't it's so funny i was just having that conversation with my daughter because she wants mm-hmm. to be in love and she wants to be uh, with this one guy but she can't be in love with him because he's with his girlfriend and blah blah oh, and no. i was telling her i said this stuff in here can't can't make it go away can't make it come if all only. we can do is handle it up here <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, for listeners who who don't have uh, Nicole on their drinks, we're we're actually skyping. But um, she just pointed to her head as she says, "Up here." <laughs> yeah. Well, um, so where can listeners to this podcast find more beautiful for having okay. been broken? If they go to www.morebeautifulmovie.com they can see there's a if they scroll down it's like where can i see this movie it's got all the links and with vision uh films who's our mainstream uh worldwide distributor who we absolutely love because not only did they get totally behind this film but they allowed me to bifurcate the deal to give the dvd to wolf video so that our community could be um taken care of and so it was ended up being a really really cool um situation so yeah go to morebeautifulmovie.com and check out NicoleConFilmsGlobal.com uh, in the next week or two and come and play with us, girls, because um, we all know you want to be involved. This is, you know what this came from also? Tell is me. So many women said, my dream was to be, you know, be involved in filmmaking or my dream was to do this or something artistic, always artistic. But I ended up, you know, knowing I needed to make a living. This is a way they can hopefully kind of fulfill some of that dream yeah yeah, that the dream fulfillment stuff because um when women come to work on the films they just love it and they meet other women they meet their girlfriends we have had so many people who were donors or people who involved got involved as peers or whatever they come they come they get involved they fall in love 
and they're married and some of them are still married. You know, it's really, really cool. That's fantastic. Yeah. And then we all become mm-hmm. friends and we go to each other's weddings and we travel to this and we travel to that. Um, and I had my little uh, silver tribe. We springs together. Yeah. yeah that's, <laughs> that's what we do. We go and play. And that's what we did um, through the fall at all the festivals. It was awesome. So well, I'm, getting you on, de- I'm getting you involved with, with Nicole okay, good. as well. Yeah, because I can I- tell you're going places. I love movies. I literally I get paid to watch movies. I am living yeah. my dream. This is what I've always wanted. I didn't know when I was a kid that you could, it was allowed to have this much fun. Mm-hmm. And yeah, right. Directors <laughs> and get to watch movies. And I just, I, whenever I do this, I'm like, oh, fuck, this is, this is my real life. This is awesome. <laughs> that is so great. I love that. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I'm so glad. This, so this movie, More Beautiful for Having Been Broken, and Elena Undone are definitely ones to add to your binge list. If you're mm-hmm. stuck at home and you're looking for something to watch, we've got some good ones for you. Great. Thanks so much, Jocelyn. Thank you so you're much for your awesome. time. Have a good one, Nicole. <laughs> okay. Take care, honey. Thanks for listening to the After Ellen podcast. Let us know how you think we're doing and what you want to hear on future episodes of the After Ellen podcast. 